Thanks, Paul. Really appreciate that <coughs> that introduction. But guys, didn't we? Isn't this an amazing equip so far? Okay, let's give Stan and the team a hand. I think they did an amazing job um, with this weekend. And uh, yeah, and thanks to all for just coming back after the break. Um, some years ago, I did a few comrades, you know, and I, and I, and I know, you know, when, when you hit 65Ks on the comrade, you, you feel like, yes, man, you know, maybe I should go home. You know, this is, this is a long stretch, you know, 65Ks, I've, I've, I've had some, you know, I've, I've felt it. Um, but you know what, how sweet is it is at the end when you can hold that medal in your hand and say, I finished the race. So well done for the guys that's here for finishing the race. And uh, back in the Clarksdorp, we're from the mining belt. I have a friend that won the, the uh, a golden medal on the, on the comrades. And then a week later, I saw he chromed it, you know, to match his car. <laughs> I, I, just, I just love the guys on that side. Um, it's amazing people that live there. <clears throat> But friends, I just want to, yeah, as Paul said, just want to share a bit of, of uh, God's heart on business and finances. And, um, uh, um, you know, I went, if I went back in business as far as I can remember. But I think it really started in my life in 1995 when I finished my studies, started a few small businesses, uh, owned a CTM franchise. And, but my passion was property, and I always invested into property. And for 30 years, we've been building up a pro property portfolio. And in 2012, I sold my last business and uh, went into semi-full-time ministry, but keeping the property business and growing that. And as I've been journeying through life, traveled a bit, spoke to many people, I realized that our biggest challenge is not making money. Our biggest challenge is living with money. You can make money, but if you don't know how to live with money, you have a problem. And if you know how to live with money, making prob money is not the greatest problem in your life. And as I journeyed, God gave me a few keys, and I want to share those keys with you, and hopefully it will bless you as well as you deal with your finances and business and, and things. Um, and uh, the first key I want to talk to you is about working from a place of strength. And I want to explain to you that with this ball. You see, this ball... Like everything as a creator. And the creator of this ball gave it identity and said, you are a soccer ball. And it also gave it a place and said, you belong on a soccer field. And it also gave it a destiny and said, you're going to be used for the game of soccer. But I want to ask you, can this ball function in that identity and calling that it has been given by its creator? No, it can't. You see, it's actually useless. Because this ball needs something. And you know what's a sad thing? What this ball needs is all around him in abundance. He lives in it every day. But the problem is, it's not on the inside. I want to show you what happened. If, if this ball receives the very thing that it needs, Peter... <laughs> Will you come pump the ball for me? Come on, man. Hey, man. I know this, you know, he's, he's, got, he's got such a young spirit, that guy. But anyway, I love it. <laughs> Guys, can you see? Can you see there's something rising on the inside? There's an inner strength. There's an identity that this ball is starting to grow into. There's something happening on the inside. 
great stuff. Thanks, my friend. Really appreciate it. 100%. Well done. Well done. <laughs> Friends, when it comes to business in this world, I'm sure many of you know it's tough. It's not easy out there. Friends, when you, when you enter into finances and business, we need something on the inside. We need Jesus and we need the Holy Spirit. Because I want to say to you, in this world, you're going to be thrown down. But if you strengthen on the inside, you'll jump right back. You know? And when the world wants to come and just throw you harder, you just jump higher back. God says seven times the righteous will fall and it will help them back up. Friends, we need to come to a place where we can receive an inner strength. They said of David, he's a man that knows how to go in and how to come out. Solomon said, I want to be a man like my father. A man that knows how to go in and a man how to come, knows how to come out. Moses said, when he was looking for someone to, to follow him and, and take his position, he prayed and said, God, send me a man that knows how to go in and how to come out. Friends, I want to challenge you. Do you have a prayer chair in your office? There where you live. A place where you can go sit in front of God and just say, Lord Jesus, I'm at a crossroad. I need your help. Lord, I've got a massive decision in my business to make, in my finances. Lord, I've got debt that's, that's out of hand. Father, can you help me? Friends, do you have a prayer chair? If you don't have a prayer chair, get a prayer chair. Because that's a place where you go, come and you sit at the Father's feet and where He strengthens you so that you can come out of that place and face your giants. If you want to be in business and when you want to manage your finances, you need to have a... Get to a place of strength. God has a plan for you. He's got a place for you. In Genesis 2 verse 8, it says, And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there He put man whom He had formed. Right in the beginning, God planted a garden and put man there. And through all the generations up to today, God has planted the garden for you. There where you live where you raise your family, there where you work, that's your garden. Friends, see your place as a beautiful garden. Because I'm telling you, you will invest your time, your money, and your resources in whatever you value. If you put a two on your garden, you will talk to it as a two, you'll treat it as a two, and it will become a two for you. I want to say to you, choose today. Choose today and say, Lord, I choose today to put a 10 on my garden. I will look at my garden as a 10. I will talk about it as a 10. I will treat it as a 10. And I want to say, don't be surprised if that garden turns around and start to reward you as a 10. Genesis 2.15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Friends, we need to work our gardens. We need to till the land and to keep it, to do it consistently. Why do we need to do this? This is amazing. Genesis 2.15. 
when no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up. And when I read that, I said, Lord, how is this possible? There's so many seed in our land. There's so much potential, Lord Jesus, but nothing is growing. I don't see the fruit, Lord. I don't see the trees and the bushes. Nothing is happening in my land, Lord. Why is my seed not growing? And it says there, for the Lord God has not caused it to rain on the land. You see, friends, rain is a blessing that God sends on your land to ignite your seed, to make it to grow. But I'm asking, Lord, why is it not growing on my land? Why are you not opening up the heavens to rain on the seed? It says, and there was no man to work the ground. You see, friends, if you work your garden, if you work your ground, it activates heaven. It opens up heaven and God reigns on your land. He reigns on your seed. That word work is also connected to the word aragon that, needs, that means to manage. What you don't manage, you will mismanage. God has planted a garden for you, a beautiful garden, filled it with seeds, my friend. We need to work that garden. What does a farmer do? Before he harvests, he works the ground. He tills the ground. I want to say to you, in your finances, if you are not budgeting, you have untilled ground. If you are not sowing, tithing, or planning before you build a tower, you have untilled ground. You are not working your garden. If you are not managing your time, you have untilled ground, and you need to till your ground. So what must we do then? Matthew 6 says, do not be anxious. <laughs> don't worry. It says, don't be anxious about your, what you will eat and what you will wear. I mean, you can put anything there that you want to. Don't be anxious about your finances, your marriage, whatever. But this is what it says, what you must do. Matthew 6.33 says there, but first... Seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Friends, we need to seek God's kingdom and His righteousness, and then He will add everything. But what do we do? In a time of crisis, when we get anxious, we run around, make plans, we do things, and then we get tired, we burn out, and we want to give up because we're doing God's job. Because He says, I do the adding, not you. You do the seeking. You see, we need to seek God's kingdom and His righteousness in our finances. Righteousness means to come in right standing with God. It's for free. Come in right standing and do what is right. Kingdom means, means it comes from the word basileia. It means authority to rule, to reign. We need to seek God, take up our authority, and rule with that, and do it consistently, and then God will add. The first thing that Jesus said, you can read it, the first words was, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The first thing that John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The first time when Jesus sent his disciples out, he told them, go and tell the people the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Friends, this is important to God. God wants you to take up your authority and rule. Search him. Search what is right. Take it up and rule with that. Isn't that amazing? The second key I want to give to you is gear for momentum. 
In Genesis 12, verse 1 to 2, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, from your kindred, and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. And there's a promise. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Now, when Abram heard this, he did something very significant. In verse 4, it says, So Abram went as the Lord has told him. Friends, momentum is your greatest friend. When you have a burning desire in your heart, you need to do something with that. You know what? I would rather get out of the boat and be wrong than stay in the boat and be wrong. I don't want to grow up and say, yes, I should have done this. I should have done that. I would rather come back and say, I'm sorry that I made a mistake. Jesus, I'm so sorry I missed it. I would rather get out in faith and be wrong than stay in the boat and be wrong. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, <laughs> friends, but here's the thing. There's something that comes before momentum. You need to gear for momentum. You need to gear for the opportunity. And not many people get that. You know, when David was on the hill, he played the, the harp and he uh, played with the sling. He killed bears and lions. And he didn't even know that one day he's going to play the harp before the king. That he's going to take down a giant with the sling. Gear yourself on the hill. Friends, don't miss the moment on the hill. Don't step off too quickly. Because you might miss God's plan for you. While you're on the hill, do what's at hand. Prepare yourself. Gear yourself for the opportunity. Because you don't even know it, that God is organizing the Samuel in the background. Telling Samuel, fill your horn. I want to send you to anoint the king. God's organizing things for you while you're on the hill, friends. He's sending the Samuels. He's setting them up. He's setting your future up for you. And then one day Samuel came to Jesse and said to the sons, and Jesse, go and fetch David. There will be a day when God sends for you. He says, come down, my son. You're ready. You are geared for the opportunity. We're in property business, and, uh, and we love, we love uh, a property. And, uh, you know, when, when we're in uh, the northwest there, uh, and we want to buy a property, we look for a property that's got an acorn tree because it adds 10% to your property's value because you can hang a block and tackle, you know, to take, uh, to take your, your, your Golf 1600 engine out and put the 3-liter V6 in. <laughs> so, amazing. Uh, uh, <laughs> North Northwest, <laughs> we come from Craig, you know, you, hey, didn't you have a three-liter golf? <laughs> you understand exactly what I'm saying, right? <laughs> That's amazing. But, uh, yeah, friends, so, so, so gear for the opportunity. People would come and say, Murdoch, I also want to get into the property business. And then when a bargain comes up, I call them, say there's a property, but then, ah, oh, sorry, man, I'm not ready. Now, gear for the opportunity. You don't have to search for the opportunity. Opportunities come randomly. You need to gear for the opportunity. The other thing that I also learned is to raise sons in the house. And maybe you can put up my photo there of my family. And uh, friends, we need to raise our sons and daughters for this world. I've got uh, three boys. Uh, the ones on the sides, they're twins. 
uh, at 19 years old, they started their first business. They own two businesses, and they start starting their third business as well. They didn't want to go and study. The business is in their heart. They grew up there. My other son, Berki, is finishing matric. He's going to do a gap year, and then he's going to study engineering. But when my boys became 30 and I did a rite of passage, I invited a few men, stood in a circle, and I called them. I said, Ruanti, and I invite you into the presence of men. And then I blessed them, and I said, I love you, and you on your journey towards manhood, and I'm going to journey with you on this road. And we went, and we did different courses on dating and courtship and relationships, and we went and preached to children in the streets, and I took them every Tuesday to church to, to experience God. And another thing that we did is we journeyed on business and finances and uh, taught them those things. And today, my, my boys has got a passion for business. They're in business and they love business. Friends, we need to raise the next generation. I'm saying to you, even if you don't have a child and you're in business, yes, there's a time when you're in the success years, you're building your business, but there's going to be a time when you're going to enter your relevant years, when time becomes important. And do you have someone that you raised up that has your heart, your vision, and how you do things to come in and help you and support you? We read there in, uh, in Judges 2 verse 10, the whole nation came out of the desert, went into the promised land. They saw the sea open. They saw the walls of Jericho fall. And it says there in verse 10, and all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served balls. And I said, Lord, how is this possible? Yes, people that saw the sea open, the walls fall and how you conquered nations before them but yet the next generation comes and they serve Baal how's that possible and the Lord said it's because they only heard about me and didn't experience me friends take the next generation with you when you go someone take them with they need to see how the sea opens up they need to see the walls of Jericho fall so that God is not only a story it's a reality in their life my youngest son, man, I learned, I learned a great lesson from him. When he was in grade six, he started his own business, doing well, you know, and then uh, lockdown came, and uh, um, uh, he was 15 years old, and we've got a guy in our church called Romke, and Romke came to our house, and he's got that license to move around everywhere, uh, to deliver food and so on for the church. And he came to us and he told us a story of this, uh, this young lady, she's 24 years old, staying in a flat, her husband beat her, left her, she's with two children, and there's nothing in that flat, and it's locked down. And Dirky heard this, and he said, Father, I want to go and bless that lady. And I, I set something up with Romke, he came, picked us up, took him to the shop, he bought the stove and pots, and I don't know what else he bought. We took him to that lady, he gave everything to her, prayed for her, and then when we left, I saw on his face that Jesus did something in his heart. And I said, Jesus, how is it possible that a 15-year-old boy gives away that amount of money? And you know what God says, it's easy. You know Why? Because Dirkie has five jars where he puts his money in. Tithing, 10%. Giving, 10%. Investing, 15%. Saving, 15%. And social, 50%. And you know what? Dirkie could give that money easily because he already written it off. It was under giving. It wasn't his anymore. It was already God's. 
You see, friends, you're going to talk to your wallet or your wallet's going to talk to you, but someone's going to be the boss in, <laughs> you know. If I want to say to you, if you are not budgeting for the kingdom, you are not kingdom focused. God, God is the source. Your business and workplace is the tool. You the channel, but kingdom is the goal because God is always kingdom focused. You know, it's like the garden outside. The water comes from the dam, it's the source. The tap is the tool. The hose pipe is the channel and the flowers is the goal. We need to be kingdom focused. You need to budget for God's kingdom because otherwise I'm going to tell you, you're going to open up your wallet on the 15th and God's sending a blessing your way and then your wallet's going to say, it's the 15th, you've still got fuel and children and food. Maybe just give... Your wallet will be your boss, but, boss, but if you budget for giving, and I'm not talking about an extravagant gift. I'm talking about budget to give. When you open up your wallet, and your wallet tries to say something, you're going to say, no ways, man. This money is already written off. It's not mine. It's for God. And you're going to give with a joyful heart. Raise sons in the house. Friends, we need to make the right choices. I want to say to you, money has an effect on all of us. You all agree that this is a, is a hundred rand note, am I right? Normal hundred rand note. Did you see how small a hundred rand note gets when you go to the mall? <laughs> <laughs> yes, or take your wife on a date. I mean, or just go to pick and pay and try buy groceries. I mean, a hundred rand gets small, am I right? Did you see how huge a hundred rand gets when you come to church? <laughs> Man, that, wow, that thing blows up. Hey? Oh, that thing is massive. Hey? <laughs> or when that missionary calls out and says, Jesus, please, is there someone that will help me? That hundred rand gets huge. My friends, money has an effect on all of us. <laughs> we need to take up our authority and rule. Because I'm telling to you, you're going to have choices in life. We think of money every day. It's every day, but we don't talk about it enough. Friends, you're going to get to a river where you're going to need to make a choice. Genesis 13, verse 10 and 11. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley. Abraham settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled amongst the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. You see, when Lot and Abraham came to the border, a place of choices, Abraham looked to the side, Lot looked to the side, and he saw a garden that looked like the Garden of Eden. It was not the Garden of Eden. It was a false garden. Because the enemy knows God has a plan for you. God wants to take you through the river into a place where he wants to dwell with you. You see, the promised land was, was not all about the land. It was about the presence of the Father. He wanted to bring his people into a place where he can dwell among them. God wants to plant a garden and place you there uh, that's full of seed and blessing, but God wants to dwell with you there because he wants you to come to a place. Every time come into that place, we can be strengthened with the Father. 
But Lord, Lord saw the, the false garden because the enemy wants to draw you away. Friends, we know. We, we know those choices in life. When it comes to money, to SARS, and, and, and it's, it, there's, there's some, some serious choices sometimes that we face in our life that we need to do. But Lot chose the valley. But the problem with the valley, it's right next to Sodom, a place of temptation. Friends, don't camp next to temptations. Go through the water. You know what's the problem with temptations and camping next to Sodom? One chapter later, Lot is inside of Sodom. And then kings come and they take them away. And, and kings of Shinar come. Shinar is an is a, is a, is a area in Babylon. The place where God calls his people out in Revelation. Come out of her, my people. Don't be, that's not the place that I planned for you to be. Come and take the right choices. I've planted a garden for you, friends. How do we make these choices? How do we do the right choice in life? I want to show you. This is how you make the right choice. You put your lion suit on. <laughs> you know what? When I put this lion suit on, I feel out of my comfort zone. <laughs> really. <laughs> I feel exposed. It feels like, like people can laugh at me. I feel... But friends... Making the right choice is not always easy. Sometimes you must put on your lion suit so that your flesh can step away and the lion of Judah can come in and change circumstances and change things around you. Friends, I want you to remember this because I'm, I, can I guarantee to each one of you, you're going to stand before choices where God is going to challenge you. Pray for this one. Don't do that, my son, my daughter. Do this. Go there. You're going to be before, and may the Holy Spirit remind you of this picture. Because when you stand there, say, Lord, I don't care what the world says. Lord, I don't care how I feel. I don't care how it looks, Lord. I want to do the right thing, Lord. And I will put my lion suit on, and I will choose your land, Lord. I will go through this river, Lord Jesus, because there's a generation that needs to follow me, Lord. I will not live in the valley. Remember this picture, friends. I need to get out. That lion is hot. <laughs> but friends, I want to land with this last one. How should we rule? What should we do? I mean, the best way is to learn from God himself. Am I right? 1 Peter 2.21, God says, I've shown you the way. He actually says, for this you have been called. I've shown you the way. Follow my footsteps. So Lord Jesus... We want to follow you. Show us, Lord, how you do it. In Psalm 89, 11, it says, 
The heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and all that in it, you have founded them. God has, has made, created everything. Everything is under Him. He rules over everything, Lord. So if you rule over everything, I want to learn from you, Lord, so that I can rule over whatever you have placed under me, Lord. Show me, Lord, how you do that. And two verses later, chapter uh, uh, 89, verse 14, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness goes before you. Friends, what do we build a house on? A foundation. It's the first thing we lay down, and everything else has been built on that foundation. Am I right? God's very throne is built on a foundation called righteousness and justice. Isn't that amazing? Friends, if you have righteousness and justice, love flows from there. So what should we do? In Jeremiah 6.16, it says, Thus says the Lord, Stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your soul. Lord, I want rest for my soul. Lord, I want to know what is the good way, Lord, because I want to walk in the good way. In Genesis 18, Abraham and Sarah we're trusting God for a child. And three men came and said, a year from now, you will have a son. And this is what they said to Abraham in Genesis 18 verse 19. For I have chosen him, Abraham, that he may command his children and his household after him, all of us, to keep the way of the Lord. Lord, I want to know what's the way, Lord. And Abraham, and it says, command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice <laughs> so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him friends righteousness is the up part of the cross to be in right standing with Christ justice is to this world to love the orphan to love God's people to love the the widows and to be there for God a channel to his people to do justice to this world you know, my boys are in, in business and, uh, and I told them, listen, when a customer walks in, don't see, don't say to yourself, I'm going to make money out of him. Say to yourself, how can I serve this person? Because people want to be served, you know, and they want to feel important and they want to be valued. And if you serve people, they will come back. Friends, let's serve this world. Let's do justice in this world. If you're in business with your finances, let's do justice in this world. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Dan. Amazing. Great.